Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Friday, October 7th, 2022. This is Shannon, and today I'm here with Christine, Natalia, and Brooke, and we are talking about serial killers. If it were up to me, we'd talk about serial killers a whole lot more than we do, because that's just the kind (laughs) of like twisty thing I like. But finally, we get to do an episode full of all kinds of twists and turns and very evil people. So we will get started with the usual housekeeping information. Then Brooke will start us off, followed by me, Christine, and lastly, Natalia. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. So my first book tonight is A Killer's Mind, Zoe Bentley Mystery, book one by Mike Omer. So our main character, as you can probably guess, her name is Zoe. And Zoe is a a civilian analyst that the FBI uses for, like, analyzing different crimes. So three women have been found embalmed and posed in different places. And the FBI has been called in to investigate. Well, the agent, his name is Tatum. Um, He has like, he's kind of sitting in the meeting and he's listening and like the profiler that the, the police department hired is chatting and whatever and talking about his profile. And like Tatum's like, "Um, this is total BS. Like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Always telling us this things that don't help us. So like we need other help. So he goes to his boss and his boss connects him with Zoe. So enter Zoe. She is now, she comes and she starts, like, come to the meeting. And right off the bat, she kind of ticks Tatum off because she's very, like, focused and very, like, analytical. So really good for her job. But Tatum himself is more of a, he's kind of like, they've described him as a maverick. So he kind of does his own thing. Um, and he's not so sure that he's made a great decision to uh, bring Zoe in because he worries that her like kind of like her single focused mind is going to like cause some problems. 
All right. So my first book tonight is The Black Widow. This is Social Media Number Three by Wendy Corsi Staub. These books are not really connected to each other other than the fact that they all rely on social media. Um, the characters don't seem to relate, so you don't have to be thrown off at all that this is technically listed as number three. So <clears throat> this is the story of a dating app called Intune. And people are making matches using this app as, you know, we're used to knowing about now in the world of online dating. But certain women have started to go missing after they connect with a certain person on Intune. So at first, when the story opens, you only know kind of the, the killer. And the killer has a plan. And when you first meet them, you don't really understand what the plan is, but you know that it's a very bad plan and it will not end well either for the killer or for the people that they kill. And then we move away from that person and we meet Gabby. Gabby is newly divorced and she's still really missing her ex-husband. Like there were obviously things in their marriage that didn't work. But there were a lot of things that will just always, you know, kind of tug at her heart a little bit. So she thinks that she might as well move on. The marriage is over and it's just no good to be, you know, pining after, after Ben. So she ends up on Intune and she gets some messages, finds a couple people that she thinks, you know, could be interesting. But she keeps thinking about Ben and Ben of course keeps thinking about her. But then our killer kind of gets in to the mix and this killer is targeting one of them. Is it Ben or is it Gabby? I can't tell you, but whoever it is, they are definitely in for something, um, less than stellar. Wendy Corsi Staub reminds me a lot of like early Lisa Jackson, um, Nancy oh, nice. Bush, Karen Rose, like that very dark and creepy romantic suspense where the romance and the suspense are balanced like so nicely. Um, it is a super, super twisty ride is the Black Widow. Um, I loved it a lot. This is actually the only book I've read by this author, which is a terrible thing because she's been writing for a really long time. And she has a ton of books in all different genres, like subgenres within like mystery and romantic suspense. She's got like some paranormal. Um, she's got kind of like a private investigator thing. She's got some things that look more like straight up like procedurals. Um, she just has like a wealth of books and I am super excited to read more of her work. But this one is The Black Widow and it's social media book three by Wendy Corsi Staub. Still haven't read her, but um, oh. I've seen that Christine's read a bunch of them. And yeah, they Christine really likes them. I'm going to yes. have to check them out. The first book that I'm going to talk about is... 
the missing ones. It is Detective Lottie Parker, book one, and it's by Patricia Gibney. This has 11 books in this series. I have read 10 of them. I'm just uh, one book from being caught up. And I like this series a lot. It is, um, it's done in the UK. And Detective Lottie Parker is a detective inspector. She has a team of three or four people under her. And we don't get to know any of them too well except for one of them. Uh, So Lottie Parker has recently lost her husband. Um, He died. She's still trying to deal with that and she's having a lot of trouble moving on. She has three children uh, and one of them uh, has a child. So she has a baby grandson. And so she's struggling to finish raising her children and do her job and figure out whether she can start over with someone else, should start over, and she's still grieving a lot. So in our first case, we find one morning a woman dead in a cathedral, which is a great start to the day, not. And in the afternoon, we find a boy hanging from a tree. And the murders just keep on coming. It's, it's not good. Uh, and so Lottie Parker begins investigating. And along with her is Mark Boyd. And this is important because he becomes her love interest all through these books. He wanted this from the beginning. It's taken her longer. But they do begin to start a relationship, which we follow through the series. It's interesting to me because they snipe at each other a lot, which is very unlike me. But it seems very UK because I I seem to see this in a lot of series that are in the UK. So maybe it's just a, a, a style that they have. Anyway... Uh, they investigate, and the thing about Lottie is she also, like many of our, our heroes and heroines, does not care if she does things by the book. She cares if she gets the answer. So she's a bit of a maverick in that way. She's going to go off and do whatever she thinks is necessary, and then she's going to try to answer questions later and justify that when she's called before her boss. So as they investigate, they link these crimes to crimes 40 years ago at a home called St. Angeles. It was a home for wayward children. Parents who couldn't or didn't want to take care of their children would drop them off there. And many of these children, they disappeared and were never heard from again. So now it turns out that there's a link, and there's also a link to Lottie's past uh, stemming from this home. 
So these are all things that we uncover as we go along and try to find this particular serial killer. He or she is not the only serial killer in this series, uh, but the first that we come in contact with. The series has a lot of twists and turns as it goes along. It's very well done, in my opinion. I very much enjoyed it. I recommend it. This book is The Missing Ones, Lottie Parker Book One by Patricia Gibney. Serial killers. We definitely don't want to live with them. We don't want them in our neighborhood or our towns or our cities. But we sure love reading about them. I know I do. And I have loved, loved reading books about serial killers and mysteries and thrillers for as long as I can remember. And the first book I'm going to talk about tonight is a book that takes place in my city. And not only does it take place in Miami where I live, but it's one of the few very accurate depictions of Miami. And it's a very popular series that most of us have probably seen on TV. But maybe we haven't read the books. And let me tell you, the books are worth picking up because they are so good. And you probably guessed it. This is the Dexter series by Jeff Lindsay. The first book is called Darkly Dreaming Dexter. And Dexter Morgan is a blood spatter expert in the Miami-Dade Police Department. And I didn't actually know that this was a thing, but there are people that can track the way blood splatters when it exits the body in order to, uh, I guess, collect evidence. So that's Dexter Morgan's job. And it makes him very lucky because he's in a perfect position to identify his victims and not get caught. Now, the one thing about Dexter is that he's very likable. I know, right? A serial killer that's likable and polite and charming. But he's a wolf in sheep's clothing because who does Dexter kill? Well, Dexter kills bad people. He kills the serial killers. He kills the people that do really terrible, terrible things. So of course, working for a division in the crimes department allows him to find these people. And where our story starts in Darkly Dreaming Dexter, Dexter starts investigating a series of brutal murders that are really curious because they bear a very interesting similarity to Dexter's own style of killing his victims. And he's kind of caught between being flattered by being copied, but also being afraid of himself or maybe some other fiend. Now, if you want to read about vigilante justice, be in the mind of a serial killer that you're not actually going to hate and read about awesome Miami, <laughs> please pick up Darkly Dreaming Dexter by Jeff Lindsay. And I promise you won't be disappointed. I actually read this book and I read the whole series one after the other. It was so, so good. And I don't know, maybe it's a scarily creepy part of us that enjoys being in the mind of an actual serial killer. But I really love this this twist and 
you know, how even Dexter has his own code of ethics. I have read the first four, maybe five books in this series. I never watched the TV show. I've heard from a lot of people that it's pretty different from the books. And so I opted just to enjoy the series as I know it from the books that I've read. Um, I've also heard from people that they didn't all love the way the series ended. So I think I might be kind of content just to stay with the like four, possibly five books that I've read. So my next book, so it's like the overall series is called Lionel Love. Um, she's an FBI profiler. But what I've found is that the series is kind of broken down into numerous like duologies. I would, that's, that's how I would describe it because you always have, so like book one, for example, which is called Murder Notes. Um, and I'll just go for it. So this is Murder Notes, Lila Love, book one, and it's by Lisa Renee Jones. And it ends on like a cliffhanger. So then it goes on to the next book, which is called Murder Girl. And that's, you get a, like, it gets closed. And then you go to like book three and then you start a new case and it ends on a cliffhanger. So like there's, um, I think there's nine books out or at least the, I don't think the ninth book is out yet, but it's coming out and it kind of goes that way all the way through. So as I said, um, this is Murder Notes, and our main character's name is Lila Love. She's a very, very outspoken, very human um, FBI profile, profiler, and she's working out of Los Angeles. And she has been kind of forced to go back to the Hamptons where she grew up. There's been a series of people being found stripped naked and shot in the head so like execution style so they're thinking that this is a serial killer but lila loves not so sure about this she's thinking it's more of like a assassin's hit list Ooh, yeah i know so about two years before this book takes place lila left the hamptons um she was working for i think it was in new york um, police department as a police officer back then and something happened that forced her to leave her life in the Hamptons behind um, her fa- um, her father is the mayor in Hamptons and her brother is the police chief in the Hamptons so like she's very very kind of um, what's well what am I saying yeah very very well connected in the Hamptons so she heads back to the Hamptons and one thing about Lila is when she was living in Los Angeles, she really tried to kind of downplay the fact that she has like a trust fund and like she had this kind of like shabby apartment. Um, her clothes were not like top of the line, but then when she, but she is very much a girly girl. So she was kind of excited to go and to get back into having to, because really to, in order to fit into the Hamptons, you kind of got to dress kind of dressed the way that everyone else does so she she was kind of like internally she's kind of excited about being able to get back to her girly girly 
undress and stuff like that, which I thought was interesting. She's a very down earth. She like, everyone likes to call her whenever they see her, they call her. So for anybody who doesn't like swearing, I apologize, but they call her Lila fucking love. Just because she's just very outspoken and like, and she loves it. She thinks it's great. She calls herself murdered girl because she really puts herself into the mind of a killer and she's great at her job. So she gets back to the Hamptons um, and she re she's kind of avoiding her father. She does reconnect with her brother. And like, when you read the synopsis, you think that it's going to be like that. She's got a horrible relationship. Um, with her brother and stuff, but she really doesn't. Like, she's she's really excited to see her brother. Um, she also gets reconnected with her ex. His name is Kane, and he is the son of a cartel, um, our cartel boss. And kind of through the series, you're trying to figure out, like, how much does Kane actually do with the cartel? Um, he's kind of seen as this really well-to-do successful businessman but at the same time you're kind of wondering like because he's got this whole legacy behind him and everyone's kind of afraid of him um so lila and kane they have they have a secret something happened two years ago that forced uh, lila sorry to leave so through the book we start learning about this and what happened so they're invest. So he kind of pushes his way into the investigation that she's doing of these people that have been found like executed. So they're trying to figure it out, and they're doing. You're kind of meeting different people all the way through the book. And I know this sounds so scattered, but like I kind of have to leave it that way because I don't want to ruin anything. But I've honestly, I it's the first book I've read of this author, and I just couldn't stop her outspokenness is just so amazing I love it like some people might not like it because they do swear quite a bit but I think for her it really works so this is murder notes Lila love book one and it's by Lisa Renee Jones all right so my next book I discovered um, while researching for this episode, because I figured, you know, there's a lot of authors who write about serial killers and we talk about them, you know, periodically. Um, Karen Rose came to mind, Joanna Schaffhausen, um, I don't know, a bunch of people. So I wanted to look for some people that I don't, either I don't talk about very much or really, you know, that just don't get a lot of love in general. And I came across a book called The Fourth Monkey. And it's 4MK Book One by J.D. Barker. So this revolves around the image of four monkeys that we kind of know about as um, hear no evil, see no evil, speak oh, no evil and do no evil. And this takes place in Chicago. Our main character is a police detective named Sam Porter. 
And when the story opens, he has not been working for a little while. We aren't sure why at first, but he is on some kind of leave from his job with the Chicago Police Department. But he is called in kind of unofficially by one of his coworkers when a killer that he has been paying attention to for the past several years strikes again. And this killer has a very specific MO as serial killers so often do. And he kidnaps someone and then he sends parts of their bodies in the mail to family members. So like you'll have a box, you'll have an ear in it. And then you'll have another box and it will have eyes in it. And you'll get a third box and it will have a tongue. And then after that, he leaves the body somewhere. Oh my God. So, yes, I know. So Sam has been trying to figure out who this person is for many years and has not been successful. Well, now the latest victim is related to this really rich, powerful businessman in Chicago. And Sam is trying to figure out, like, why this particular girl? Does it have something to do with, like, who her father is? Like, how, you know, how how is this connected? Why did the killer make this choice? What we learn going forward is that the victim of the killer is not really what's important. It's who the victim knows, who they are connected to. And by abducting, maiming, and killing these people, the killer has a very specific message that he is giving to the families or friends of his victim. And so Sam is, of course, trying to figure out what that is. Now, what sets this apart, I think, from a lot of other serial killer books that I've read is that not only do we see things from Sam's perspective, but we see through the killer's eyes, like his growing up. And I can say his, because it's it's very obvious um, from the first time we, we see this person that they are a man. And he has left a diary behind for the police to find. And so the chapters from Sam's point of view are we alternate between those and diary entries written by this killer. And we see how this killer grew up, the kind of family he came from, and how it is that he kind of got his start as a killer. But we don't know who he is. Like his name is is never given. Um, We don't know really, you know, anything about him other than what he is revealing to the police in the pages of the diary. What I will say is that this is the first book in a trilogy. So it's the fourth monkey, the fifth to die, and the sixth wicked child. And things are not wrapped up at the end of the first book. You know the identity of the killer, and you know some things about why he does what he does, but you don't know like how this is going to be resolved. So if you want something that is wrapped up at the end of the first book, this is not going to be for you. But if you're looking for a longer story arc that carries throughout the series, 
with this really cool cat and mouse relationship between the police detective and the killer, then I think you'll really, really enjoy this. This is The Fourth Monkey, 4MK, book one by J.D. Barker. I'm definitely going to check this out. Yes, yes, I think you'll really like this. My second book is also part of a series. It is Stillhouse Lake by Rachel Kane, and it is Stillhouse Lake number one. I believe there are five books in this series right now. I've read them all. Um, if I'm wrong, then there are six. But there, you could. There's a multiple choice. So. Our main character is Gina Royal, at least for a while. And Gina Royal is really, really your average housewife. She has a loving husband. She has two adorable children. She has the life that she has always wished for, and she's very happy. However... And there's always a however, isn't there? She doesn't know something. And it's going to turn her life upside down. What she doesn't know comes to light uh, because of an automobile accident. And what she doesn't know is that outside in the garage, her husband has been carrying on a totally different life. He is a serial killer. And he kills gruesomely. And he's been doing it for a long time. And she had no idea. Nor, of course, did his children. So because of this accident, his secret is discovered. He gets arrested and he is imprisoned. And Gina has to change her name her children's names and basically go on the run because not only does he still want to keep in touch with her, but she is the target of a lot of online, really awful media that claims that she was a part of this, that she worked with her husband, she knew what he was doing, all that stuff, which was not true. But it's really not going to be easy to convince social media of that. So they go on the run, and the place that they end up settling in this book is Stillhouse Lake, uh, which seems to be really peaceful, part of a small community, and it seems like that would be a good thing, and it is for a while. But then one day a body is in the lake, and she also is getting letters from a very known person in her life. And so things do not stay calm for her at all. And her children, of course, are struggling because, thankfully, not a lot of children grow up with a serial killer as a father. So this is not real well-known territory. And it causes, you know, some pretty major issues for them, as you would think it might. Another sort of twist in this is that one of the 
men who was on the social media group of people who were targeting her, he meets her through a series of events and he realizes that it's not true, any of the things that they said. And he starts to have feelings for her and that grows uh, throughout the series. And that makes trouble for him too because he's connected with the backlash and he's also falling in love with her. So that's a nice twist. And obviously we have another serial killer. Is it somebody doing her husband's uh, work, carrying on? Is it somebody separate? We don't know this and we have to find out. And this is a really good series, I think. By the way, she, she doesn't stay Gina Royal. She has to become Gwen Proctor. And she sets herself out to become a warrior for justice, especially for women who have fallen on uh, hard times as she has. And she's very fierce and very strong. I like the series. Uh, it is Stillhouse Lake. Stillhouse Lake number one by Rachel Kane. And I must uh, add a note that even though Rachel Kane passed away some time ago, an author that was very involved with this series from the beginning with Rachel, but who never put her name on it, uh, has carried on the series. The author that takes over this series is Carrie Ryan. And I have to say, she does such an excellent job that it's very difficult to tell where one writer leaves off and the other begins. And I'm sure that has something to do with her involvement from the beginning of the series. But she was very honored to take it over, and she's doing a wonderful job. The series may continue for at least one more book. I don't know, but it is well worth a read. I think losing Rachel Kane is one of the biggest tragedies of the book world um, recently. I just remember being so sad when I heard that she had passed away. Um, she is such a versatile and skilled writer and she's definitely someone that will be missed i think by readers of so many genres the next serial killer series you heard that series i'm going to talk about is a series that i believe many of us loved on this podcast and mourned its conclusion as of now i believe there are five maybe six books written and there has not been one written since but that should not deter you from starting it i know that for a fact shannon georgina and i have all enjoyed it and this is the smoky barrett series by cody mcfadgian the first book is called shadow man and this book is about smoky barrett who was a special agent for the fbi and her job was to hunt serial killers specifically and she was really good at what she did in fact she was one of the best until her life was completely destroyed by a madman that she was hunting who got a hold of her house 
in the night, killed her husband, her daughter, and left her face scarred and, of course, her soul brutalized. Because even though she was able to turn the tables on this madman and she shot him dead, well, she did it after he took everything that mattered to her. And now, where our story starts, she's dreaming about picking up her weapon again. She dreams about placing the steel between her lips and pulling the trigger one last time because for a woman who's lost everything already, really, what is there left to lose? She's about to find out. Because in all her years at the Bureau, uh, Smokey has never encountered anyone like him. He is a new and fascinated kind of monster. He basically has all the profilers stumped. And no one can understand him. And he's issued Smokey a direct challenge. He's trying to coax her back from the brink, where the only thing that can convince her to live is hunting him. Basically, the killer videotapes his latest crime, which is an act of horror that leaves the child motherless, and sends a message to Smokey Barrage. And the message is enough to shock Smokey out of her, I guess period of mourning and she wants to go back to work and back to her fbi team and the child that is now left behind from this senseless crime awakes something in Smokey she thought was gone forever suddenly the stakes are raised the game is changed and while this deranged monster does unspeakable sprees of murder Smokey is coming to get him and she's also coming alive again and about to face her greatest fear which is as a cop and a woman and a mother while a merciless killer is waiting for her wow these books i don't think i could ever do them justice describing them but if you like things that are twisty thrillery dark and gritty in the best way that will make you feel all kinds of emotions and shock you in every way possible with all kinds of twists and depravity you never thought you'd ever read about or think about or know about this is the book for you i read uh these books when they came out uh i believe they came out at some point in 2006 2007 around there and they have absolutely withstood the test of time. I read them back then and I have reread them. And I just have to say that these are probably my one of my favorite serial killer series of all time. I mean, each book is follows Smokey Barrett's story, like many detective series that we like to read. And each book is just better than the last one, really. So if you like this kind of story where... Um, you want to follow a character while they put the pieces of their life back together and of course hunt uh depraved people this is for you so this is shadow man smoky barrett book one by cody mcfadden i am so glad that you chose to talk about this this is a series that i think just doesn't get enough love you never hear people talk about this um I picked it up kind of by accident. I think I I got it from the library, the first book, and I was just so intrigued. I remember just flying through like the first two books. I checked them both out at the same time. And I think the first two are probably the strongest in this series, but the series as a whole is just super excellent.
So my last book tonight is Watch Her Vanish, Rockwell and Becker, book one by Ellery A. Kane. So our main character's name is Olivia Rockwell. She's a forensic psychologist and she works in a prison. Um, She's been called back to Fog Harbor um, to take care of her younger sister. And this is where she works in the prison. So she works in the prison. And when the book starts, we meet some of the inmates that she gets to deal with. And like one of them, his name is Drake. Um, He's a creepy, creepy guy. Um, And one thing we learn about him is he is a published author. So we get to kind of see pieces of his book throughout the uh throughout the book itself so she is out at church um olivia and there's a scream so she runs because she's always to run towards trouble so she runs to go see what's going on and she finds out that somebody has discovered the body of a missing teacher on the rocks. And so when like the evidence is looked at, it points to her, the inmate Drake. But like Ooh. there's no way that it could be Drake. Cause like she's like, there's no way he can get out of here. So I don't really understand. So she starts investigating. She's she makes a list of who she thinks might have might have done it. And she feels like she needs to stick up for Drake, even though Drake is a creepy guy. She's really sure that it can't be him. So she starts investigating. And while she's doing this, she learns of another, like an FBI agent that's working. And his name is William Decker. And they kind of like cross paths here and there. And she's kind of getting in his way. But She's doing her own thing and she's investigating. And then another woman, a jogger, is found dead. And there's this like blue fabric around her neck that again points to Drake. So she starts talking to Decker and they realize that they need to work together in order to discover who's doing it. But while they're investigating, a note is found in the car about the second victim. And it makes them think that there's a possibility that the killer is gonna go after her little sister. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to leave you. So this is Watch Her Vanish, Rockwell and Becker, one, and it's by Ellery A. Kane. And there's um, one thing I will say before I go is that the case itself gets wrapped up, but there's things that happen that make you know that there's a next book coming. So the next book is there and it kind of, there's like things that kind of link, like there's like an overall story arc that continues Ah, throughout the books. Yeah. So there are things that in each book that aren't answered that go on to the next book. And that is the great thing about some series. I know. 
So my last pick tonight is Cold Dark Places. This is Katie Maddox, book one by Kylie Brandt. And I've never read Kylie Brandt until I picked this up, although she has been on my radar for quite a while. She has like a Mindhunter series and a few other kind of like FBI agent series that look really cool. I've just never picked her up until now. This one I thought was especially interesting because our main character, Katie, is not technically a police officer or an FBI agent. She is a U.S. Marshal. And we don't see a lot of marshals in our crime fiction here in the U.S. At least no. I haven't. Um, I think in one of the um, Attica Locke books that I read, I think there's a marshal. But largely, you know, we, we see um, detectives and FBI agents or profilers. And so I really liked that while Katie is in law enforcement, um, there's a slightly different take on it here. So Katie has come back to her small town and she has a lot of reasons that she wanted to stay away, but her mother was recently diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And so she's come home to kind of oversee her mother's care. And she's also working for the local um, kind of branch of, of the marshals. And she is called to a case of a disappearing man from a state mental hospital. Now, this man has just like vanished. No one can figure out how he got out of this place. Like this is a, a secure hospital. He should not have just been able to like walk out, oh. but he did. And so now Katie's trying to figure out, did he have like someone on the inside help him? Um, has he been communicating with people on the outside that somehow managed to like break him out? Like, how did this happen? And the more she digs in, the more she sees that this man's disappearance is linked to a woman who was recently released from a neighboring hospital. And that woman is Erin. She's 21. And she basically grew up um, behind the walls of a mental hospital. When she was nine, her mother died. And it was believed that Erin killed her mother. And so she was hospitalized and has been there for something like 12 years. When she's 21, she is released back into the community. And it seems that the missing patient that Katie is looking for has connections to Aaron and possibly to the death of Aaron's mother. We are also seeing more people turning up dead as the story continues. And so we don't know, you know, is this man killing these people or are people is someone else killing them in order to like keep them from revealing something that they know. Um, Katie is pretty confused and she's kind of run ragged by all of these things. Like she has kind of a, a dark, tricky past. Um, think kind of along the lines of like um, Linda Castillo's Kate Burkholder, where 
you know that there's, you know, a lot of stuff kind of in the past that our protagonist hasn't dealt with. And that is, is very true for Katie here. Plus, as I said, her mom um, is not doing well. And there's a lot of emotional stuff that Katie is dealing with connected to that. Plus, of course, this case that just seems to be coming, you know, be getting more and more complicated as time goes by. So we see things from the perspective of Katie, from Aaron, both as a child and in present day, and then the town sheriff, whose name is Ryder, who kind of reluctantly joins forces with Katie to bring this killer to justice. I really liked this. It's, you know, when I first read the synopsis, I was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe this is going to be like a lot of threads in one book. And I wasn't sure how well the author would pull it off. Like sometimes I think people get a little too ambitious and they decide they're going to tackle all these things (laughs) and then they don't tackle any of them very well. But that was not the case here. I thought that Brandt did a really great job of keeping all of these parts moving and not, you know, making you think like, oh, you know, maybe like this is going to, you know, this is like a total flop, like this is an unnecessary like piece of information. I think she did a great job of allowing us to see everything in just the right amount of detail. I will definitely continue this series and I will also um, pick up some of Brandt's other work as well. But this one is Cold Dark Places. It's Katie Maddox, book one by Kylie Brandt. I might have read this. I know I've read at least one of Kylie Brandt's, but I don't remember what it was. It was a while ago. My last book is Legacy by Nora Roberts. I know Nora Roberts gets talked about on the podcast a lot, but I don't generally think of her when I think of books about serial killers. I don't know if that's true for the rest of you, but that's not something that springs to mind. Now, J.D. Robb, which is another one of her uh, very popular pen names and series, definitely uh, has the serial killer vibe. (laughs) But Nora Roberts herself uh, doesn't usually. But in Legacy, which came out uh, in 2021, uh, there's a serial killer. Uh, in Legacy, we follow Adrienne Rizzo and her mother, Lena. We see a lot of, of Adrienne's grandparents. And when we first meet Adrienne, she has met her birth father for the first time. The problem is she's seven years old and he is trying to kill her. Uh, he is very angry with her mother and blaming her for uh, some problems in his life and um, blaming her for press that she did not have responsibility for. So he's going to kill the little girl, and her mother Lena steps in and saves her, and this is a good thing. So she sends her to her grandparents' house for the summer, and she spends that summer playing with dogs and drinking lots of lemonade. She makes a a friend that will stay with her throughout her 
lifetime, and she develops a crush on this friend's 10-year-old brother. She has a wonderful summer. She has to, however, go back with her mother, who is very busy promoting her fitness brand and doesn't really have time to be a good mother. She has a a wonderful woman that she employs that pretty much fills that uh, job for her, but it's not she's it's not her mother. So Adrian doesn't really have a close relationship with her mother. It's it's tumultuous. I mean, she she saved her life. There's that, but she's very absent from Adrian's life. When Adrian is seventeen, she is a senior in high school, and she has made uh, three really nerdy friends that she's really getting close to. And she decides she's going to start her own fitness brand. She wants to do something different from her mother because as a child growing up, she was very involved with her mother's brand. She was a part of it. So she doesn't want to be involved with that anymore. She wants to go out on her own. So she gets her friends to help her make a YouTube video of an exercise routine for like every day of the week and she puts this out there and it turns out to be wildly popular so she is off and running with her own uh, business and she starts getting letters first she gets one once a year they go to twice a year this happens throughout her uh, years as a young adult. And the, they are from somebody called the poet. And because they're always written in poetry, they rhyme and they're death threats. And they, they know a lot about what's going on in her life. They usually contain some uh, connection to those events and tie them up with a threat at the end. Uh, so we we really need to find out who this is. Her mother doesn't take these threats seriously, but some people in Adrienne's life do, and this is a good thing because they are serious. So, of course, a great deal of the book is spent trying to find out who this person is and stop them. But also, we find out a lot about who... Adrian is not just a famous fitness brand as her mother, but a much more rounded person, a much nicer, fuller, warmer person. And we watch her try to mend and forge a relationship with her mother, uh, which is not always easy. We see a school shooting in this book, which is tragic um, because they all are and also because one of our characters that we follow is deeply affected by this school shooting. We see a lot of things in this book and I liked this book a lot uh, and I recommend it. It's a standalone. It is Legacy by Nora Roberts. Oh, the beloved Nora Roberts. So I'm kind of a terrible Nora fan because I have not read Legacy yet. Not for any real reason. I just have not picked it up. Um, although I want to. I remember 
really liking the synopsis when Stacy talked about it for a monthly picks episode um, back in 2021 when it came out. And then I guess I just kind of got distracted by all the other great books out in the world and I never picked it up. Speaking of my last book of the night, I wanted to mention one thing that I always noticed was a common denominator in both serial killer novels and also serial killers that are well known in history. And one of the biggest common denominators is that if we think about serial killers from the top of our heads right now, even those who don't read about serial killers or, you know, just by watching the news, if you had to name three or four serial killers off the top of your head, who would you name, right? Well, if I think about it, I think of Ted Bundy, I think of Jeffrey Dahmer, because of course the series is on TV right now, so we're hearing about him all the time. I think of Dennis Lynn Rader. But what is one thing that is not something we see often in serial killer history and also novels about serial killers? Well, we don't read about, hear about, or know about, or at least I didn't, serial killers who were women. Now, is this because they didn't exist? Absolutely not. But it's because they are not as well known. So when I was browsing books to read in Ohio, of all places, where I was visiting my godmother, and I stumbled upon this series, I was not only really happy about finding a new serial killer series, which is kind of one of my catnip addictions, but also finding a series that was about a serial killer who is actually a woman. And this is the Archie Sheridan and Gretchen Lowell series. This series is by Chelsea Kane, and the first book is called Heartsick. And this book is about Archie Sheridan. And Archie, he's a detective in the city of Portland. And where our story starts, he is damaged because he spent 10 years, you heard that right, 10 years, tracking uh, Gretchen Lowell, who's a beautiful serial killer. And things went really sour for him because in the end, she caught him. But not only did she catch him and keep him and torture him for 10 days, but for some reason, she decides that she's going to let him go and turn herself in. And so now Gretchen has been locked away for the rest of her life while Archie returns to his. And it turns out that his old life is also a prison of another kind because now Archie's addicted to pain pills. He can't sleep. Uh, he can't get acclimated to his old life. He's powerless because he can't get those 10 days off his mind and not only that but he continues to see Gretchen Lowell he visits her once a week in prison because he feels that he's the only one that could get her to confess to her various crimes in order to find her victims and get closure for the families so of course his wife believes that he is absolutely a different person after this but then Another killer starts snatching teenage girls off the streets of Portland and Archie knows he needs to get his act together so that he can hunt down this killer and lead the task force that's investigating these murders. And in comes Susan Ward, who is a very hungry investigative journalist, and she begins profiling not Gretchen, 
like we would think, but actually profiles Archie and his investigation of these crimes. And this kind of starts a deadly game between Archie, Susan, a new killer, and even Gretchen. And so the goal is that they need to catch this killer of teenage girls. And maybe sometimes, at some point, some way, Archie will free himself from Gretchen. And maybe he'll be able to stay away from her. Because we know that for some reason, something happened during the 10 days that he was tortured that makes him unable to stay away from her. So... If that didn't chill your bones, like it chilled my bones, I think you're made of really stern stuff. And I think that's great. And that's why you should pick up this book. This is Heartsick. And Archie Sheridan and Gretchen Lowell, book one by Chelsea Kane. And if you, like me, are interested in reading about a serial killer who is a woman, instead of a man for a refreshing change please please pick up this series it is just riveting and twisty and not something you expect it's it's uh actually this author's debut and it's probably one of the best debuts i have read in a really long time Chelsea Kane doesn't write anymore, and that makes me so sad. Um, this series is epic, as Kristen would say. And then she wrote the first book in what was supposed to be a new series. And then I don't know what happened. I've heard a few different things. I, I think what's most likely is there was some kind of thing with her publisher. And she just doesn't write anymore. She's like dropped off the map, and it's super sad. And there's something else very sad that relates to this book, and that is that our darling Mika refuses, no matter how much I bully her, no matter what I promise her, she just refuses to read this book and has refused since probably like 2010, maybe 2011. It's been, it's been over 10 years, um, but still, I try. I am nothing if not relentless. And this concludes our serial killer episode. As I said, there are a ton of great books that feature serial killers. So we will probably do another one of these um, sometime in the future because there were so many more things that we could have talked about. Thank you to Natalia, Brooke, and Christine for participating tonight. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for her editing as well as for her participation. And we thank each and every one of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. 
and some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.